Thank you, Connie. Good morning. So I have to be honest with you and let you know there are parts of that song that have always been a little uncomfortable for me. Because I don't consider myself a person engaged in praise. Because I don't consider myself a person in relationship with a God outside of me. I consider myself a person living in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. A person living to be the moving, living love and expression of the divine. So the ideas of praise and saviorist thoughts are very alien to new thought in general and to unity and to how I personally express myself. So this month, as we follow along with Unity Worldwide Ministries and our national theme, our international theme of One Humanity, Many Stories, our topic is grace. The topic that Unity is asking us to speak to this month is grace. And we'll be following on the last Sunday of every month. We'll be speaking about a specific topic that's being shared all across the Unity movement. And so grace is that topic this morning. And as I was working on how grace fits into Unity... This song came to me and grace fitting into unity is kind of an interesting thing because most of us who grew up in kind of traditional religious environments were told that by the grace of God, we're saved. That was a statement that many of us grew up hearing by the grace of God, we're saved. Well, in unity, we're, we're not saviorists. We don't believe that we need to be saved. We believe that we are here expressing God, that we were born perfectly ready to be the living, moving presence of the divine. So I really had to work on how this, how does this concept of grace change in the unity movement? What is grace really? And this song came to mind because when you think of grace, what song do you think of? Amazing grace. And so I did a little, a little digging on the history of this song because I got to thinking about the words and thinking, where did those words come from? What is that song about anyway? How many of you, any of you know the story behind this song? A couple of you. Well, those of you who do, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to tell it again. And those of you who don't will know when you leave here. So on New Year's Eve... In 1772, a pastor by the name of John Newton sat down at his desk to write a hymn. He wrote many of them. He lived in Olney, England, which is about 60 miles north of London. And he wrote, he sat down to write a song that would be played on New Year's Eve, on New Year's Day, I'm sorry, to play this song on New Year's Day when people came out of the holiday season and had to go back into the toil, back into the work, back into what at that time in in the 1700s was a difficult life. And so he looked for words that would inspire people to go back into that in an uplifted way. And he wrote this song based on his life experience. So interestingly, 
John, John Newton was for most of his life, a good portion of his life, a slave trader. And he, he traveled on slave ships and collected human cargo all along the African coast. And during that time, at, at one point during that time, he was actually captured himself and served for about a year as a slave. And um, he was able to escape. And you would think that that would have taken him out of the slave trade, but it didn't. He became very depraved and very angry and very fierce, so fierce that his shipmates were afraid of him. And he went back into the slave trade with a vengeance. He called himself the great blasphemer and took great pride in how he spoke about life, the words that he used about life. And he, um, he engaged in that activity for a very long time until March, 22nd, uh, March 21st of his 22nd year, he was asleep below deck on the ship when the ship encountered a violent storm. And in the storm, the ship was damaged. And his captain sent him back up on deck to steer because they'd all been asleep. And as he went up the ladder, the man who was in front of him hit the deck first and a giant wave came over the deck and washed him away. And he still had to go up. So he went up on deck to grab the wheel and tied himself to the ship. And for 11 hours, he steered while those in the, in the belly of the ship used blankets and everything they could find to hold the water out so that they could make it to shore, which they did 11 hours later. During that time, John Newton pay, prayed for mercy to a God that he didn't in his history ever appreciate. He prayed for mercy and he prayed that if he had mercy, if they made it to the shore, he would live differently. Well, when he got to the shore, he began to change. He didn't swear anymore, but he still engaged in the slave trade for another 18 years. Yeah. At the end of that 18 years, when he was called back to land, his heart, he came back with a heavy heart. And after a time, he felt himself called to be in service in religious service. And so he began approaching religious organizations about studying, about becoming clergy. And as you might imagine, he experienced a lot of rebuke. People didn't want him. He was known for his, his ferocity, for the, the dark work of his life. It took a very long time before he found a place in the Anglican church. In the Anglican church, he studied Hebrew and he studied the Bible and he spent a lot of time working on his own inner state of being. And over time, he became quite a prolific hymnist and speaker. And this particular song was birthed out of that night's experience and what happened afterward. The story doesn't end there. John Newton was extremely important to the abolishment of slavery in in. England, he told his stories to the lawmakers. He took time to really share what the truth of, of the slave trade was because he had the firsthand experience and the stories that were being told were not necessarily the true stories. 
and he brought the truth forward to lawmakers who then were able to go forward in abolishing slavery. So he wrote this song sitting at his desk, and I'm going to ask Michael to put the words up. He actually only wrote a few of the verses that we're familiar with. In, interestingly, the verses that make me uncomfortable, he didn't, he didn't write those. Michael, can you put those words up? So if we look at these words, it's kind of interesting. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. On New Year's Day of 1773, he said to his congregation, where were you when God found you? I was a wretch. He got found on that deck. I was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see clearly in his story. Would you put the next verse up, Michael? "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. That line has always had me stuck. "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. Remember, this man had to go up on the deck after someone got washed away. This was a transformative time. It led to him being in an entirely different place in his life. It took a long time to change. Sometimes we think grace should change us immediately. Sometimes it takes a long time for us to be able to change. That line, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." And grace, my fears relieved, means something different if you understand the story. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed? Can you imagine after 11 hours of trying to get to the shore in a situation that feels hopeless when the boat is clearly taking water and sinking? What grace might mean to you? Because they accomplished something impossible. The boat should never have landed. It should never have landed. So in that moment, in the moment of grace is a knowing that what happened happened because of something bigger than what I would consider myself capable of making happen. There was something more at work in his experience of grace. Would you put up the next verse? Through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. "'Twas grace that brought us safe thus far. And grace will, I think, lead us home. Is that right, Connie? And grace will lead us home. Well, those are, these are his exact words. And this is where the song ends in his writing. This, all the rest of it that comes after that was written here in the United States. So this song was written in England in the 1700s. And there are a couple of different stories about how it got to the United States. Most of us know it from the South as, as a spiritual song of the South. And many of us have believed that's where it came from, but that isn't where it came from at all. And when it was sung in, in England, it was sung to many different tunes because at that time they didn't use a particular tune. They wrote the words release the words to the hymn, and then whoever was at the piano decided how you were going to sing it. So the song, the tune that we're used to is believed to have come from Scotland and been brought to the South when people from Scotland landed and settled there. And it was used often in Protestant revivals. They used to have these big Protestant revivals where people would come 
And they would spend several weeks together in prayer and activity. And that is how it's believed that this song was spread across the United States. This song is a powerful, powerful song that is probably one of the most sung songs ever in existence. This song was sung by both sides during the Civil War. This song was sung on the day that Martin Luther King gave his, his I Have a Dream speech. This song was sung on the day that Nelson Mandela was freed. This song was sung on 9-11. This song was sung when the Berlin Wall came down. This song was sung when the saints came back into the Superdome after, after Hurricane Katrina. This song has been sung at some of the biggest, most important events affecting humankind. How interesting it is that it was someone so deeply and darkly involved in the slave trade who gave us the words that bring us to a sense that life can change. That there is something beyond what our, our mind says is true. There is something more powerful available to us. So when we look at the concept of grace and we think of grace as that God outside of us, which is the theology many of us were, thought, were taught as we were growing up, then it becomes uh, something out of our control. I want to invite you into a different possibility about grace this morning. I want to invite you into the possibility that grace is with you every moment. That you are the living, breathing, step-by-step action point for the holy. That you, you as you are right now, in all your perfection and imperfection, are the place where grace occurs. That grace occurs every time you issue forth a kindness. That grace occurs every time you think you can't get through something and you figure out not only how to get yourself through it, but how to get somebody else through it. Last night I had dinner with several friends and we spent quite some time in conversation about all the things that you never talk about in church, politics and world issues and all kinds of stuff. Because we have a, a habit of doing that, don't we? We get together with people we trust and we, we share our, our real heart, how we feel about the world that we're in. We ended our evening with a prayer and the prayer was to bring ourselves back to the vibration of love. To bring ourselves back to remembering who we are. Because in today's world, it's very easy to take the nosedive. It's very easy to talk our vibration down, to talk ourselves down. But if we are here... To, to follow the way shower, to follow in the steps of Jesus who became the Christed anointed being. If we are here to find our own Christed consciousness, to be the anointed, we have to be responsible for where we allow our vibration to be, where we allow our mindset to be. We have the ability to pull ourselves out of that conversation to have it, to explore it, to talk in trusted environments about what we think is true, even to take action. 
but not to fall into the depths of despair because it's by grace that we're here. First Corinthians says, but by the grace of God, I am, I am. But by the grace of God, I am. But by the grace of God, we are who we are. We're here doing what we do. By the grace of God, we are the powerful living expression of the holy. If we're going to be the powerful living expression of the holy, we better have a vision for what that is. Because we can't be the power. I don't care what religious language you use for that. What archetype you follow. What set of sacred text you choose to live by. I care that you recognize that first and foremost, by the grace of God, however you want to name that God, by that grace, you are right here today, feet on the earth, hands ready, heart ready, and in action to make this a holy, sacred, beautiful place. That's what you're doing here. And this song that we looked at in its original version doesn't have all the 10,000 years part because it wasn't focused on when you get to heaven. It was focused on being here right now, that no matter how much of a wretch you think you are, no matter who you think you did wrong to, no matter what happened, you are the holy in action. And if John Newton had not had the experience that he had. If he had not been the darkness that he was, he could never have influenced such a powerful and important change. If you hadn't experienced what you've experienced in your life, you couldn't be who you are doing what you do. You couldn't touch the people that are yours to touch. That's grace. I have some quotes for you. Dwight Lyman Moody said, grace isn't a little prayer you chant before receiving a meal. It's a way to live. The law tells me how crooked I am. Grace comes along and straightens me out. Sarah Bond Brethnock said, grace is available for each of us every day, our spiritual bread. But we've got to remember to ask for it with a grateful heart and not worry about whether there will be enough for tomorrow. Max Lucado said, grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Alan Snap said, grace needs to be the air we breathe, the atmosphere we live in, whether in church or in the home. And Thomas Adams said this, grace comes into the soul as the morning sun into the world. First a dawning, then a light, and at last the sun in its full and excellent brightness.